Okay. Hi, everyone. Nice to see you. Um, who's, who have I seen before who are just personally? So, hello. If I don't recognize you, but I can, ah, I do recognize the faces. Hi. And who am I seeing for the first time? Seeing me. Hello. Hi. Who's not sure? <laughs> Great. We're all here. So, who's here? Uh, I just want to see also, I didn't really lock in. Who's here for the first time tonight? So, welcome here. And who feels a little bit new to meditation, just so I know how much to guide? A little bit? Okay. Well, uh, it is nice to be here. Um, I always wonder, like, who are these weird people that are going to show up on a Friday night <laughs> to talk about awareness and wisdom and compassion? Um, and it's a beautiful thing. Of course, this Dhamma that we have, this practice and possibility of, of looking into the mind and heart, and it is so meaningful. So really, when I do come to spaces like this and see really who's here, it's just, it's beautiful to feel that. So I want to thank you for coming and for New York Insight for inviting me. I look forward to just getting to know the community a bit. So, good evening, everyone. So, a lot of, a little bit of sleepiness. Anyone get sleepy? They feel a little tired at the end of a day. <laughs> Seeing the amount of space in here, I was thinking, oh, I should have told everyone that if you want to lie down, and even if you don't want to lie down, please <laughs> lie down. <laughs> Because, wow, do we drive ourselves so much. And it's so easy to do that in our practice as well. And really, this whole path that we have, um, you know, that is, um, you know, been practiced for 2,600 years and that we are inheriting, this path uh, isn't about kind of creating more, becoming more. It is, in many ways, letting go of or simplifying, letting go of patterns that confuse and distort our minds, our perceptions. And in a way, for the mind to work, I find most naturally, you know, if we're really going to be with our experience in a truthful and authentic way, trying to drive ourselves into some sort of truth and authenticity is just not really going to work. And you can either trust me if you're newer to experience, you can figure it out the hard way, which is what I did. And just, this is why I can sit now like this, is because I forced myself to sit like this, thinking, oh, my hips are going to, you know, once I have my hips fully open, then I'm a real meditator. And I'll look like a real meditator, and everyone will think I'm a real meditator. <laughs> but inwardly, you know, same habits of mind, right? So the body is a great support, but inwardly, what are we living out, right? What are we living out? How are we relating to each other, to our experience, to this world? So my partner, Sousa, who's going to be um, teaching with me this weekend, um, she and I were, we miscalculated how long it takes to get from the Upper West Side <laughs> down here. And so we gave 
the staff a bit of a fright, I think, arrived right at the moment of beginning. Um, and it was interesting just to see ourselves kind of dodging, running through, you know, sort of like thinking in my mind, like, everyone clear out, I'm a meditation teacher, <laughs> you know, and I'm late. <laughs> I've got to get there on time to help everyone settle. And <laughs> uh, so oftentimes when I was in the, in the monastery uh, in Burma, you know, I'd be running to the meditation hall and Utejaniya, my, my teacher there, he would kind of look at me and he'd just ask, like, where, where are you rushing to? I was like, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm going to the hall, like, I'm a little bit late. It's like, oh, what are you going to do there? <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm going to be aware. <laughs> um, so it's so just helpful to have kind of a teacher that, that can poke, you know, a little bit and help you realize when, like, when are you going to be aware? Like, after you get to the hall, right? So after we finish this conversation, then we'll start, right? Let's just get this argument over with, and then I'll go and practice, right? <laughs> Oftentimes, that's sort of the way it feels like in relationships. Like, all right, we'll just argue for a little while, and put, put practice on hold, and then, you know, then you're a real practitioner again. So kind of being curious about how do we... How do we live this? Really, how do we live what this practice is inviting us to do, which is to be awake, to be curious, right? To see, you know, just during this whole day, just reflecting on this day. How did this day go? Did you have any moment of really clear, one moment, not during a formal period of practice, but you were just kind of out and about that the mind was aware. And then let's just think about some times when you know that you weren't aware and reflect on what would it be like had you been aware during that time? Would the experience have been any worse? What would the feeling of that time had been. So did anyone have any moments when they were not aware today? <laughs> so it's not easy, right? It's not easy to, to be aware in a continuous way. It's not easy. But I think one of our big misunderstandings is that because it's so easy to forget to be aware, we think that being aware is hard. And this was one of the, I'd say most, one of the, one of the, the biggest um, benefits that I, was, that I received from being with a teacher like Utejaniya, where he really wanted me to understand how to practice. Not just do it, don't just do it, but reflect. How are you practicing? Where do you get lost? How does it come back? And then the question, is awareness hard to do? And what he was often trying to show me was that actually what's really hard for us 
is that moment of remembering. As soon as we remember, as soon as we remember to notice, let's say your hands, do you feel your hands? Your feet, the attention goes right to these places when I say feet or hands, to hearing, even though you've been hearing my words, now maybe there's more awareness of hearing. So that's the way awareness works. And yet we oftentimes think we've got to try really hard to get something to happen. If we want to really explore how to live in our life through all the different activities that we're going to be living, it will be essential over time to understand what is it that helps awareness to arise? How do I do this in a way that I can actually live with awareness rather than either I'm practicing or I'm living? So for a long time for me, practice looked like one thing, which was eyes closed, calm experience. And then that would be done. And then I would just hope that it would make a difference. (laughs) (laughs) And oftentimes it didn't make the difference I had hoped it would, right? So, and so if we are taking a certain amount of time for our practice, but then leaving all of this time letting the mind and habits of mind, right, just our automatic pilot that we get onto, well, then it's in a way up to chance. It's up to luck. What qualities of heart and mind are going to get triggered today, in this moment? And, you know, for some of us, and we might know some people who they just naturally have a lot of beautiful qualities in their heart and mind. They may never formally practice at all. And yet, because they have a lot of beautiful qualities, that's what comes up in their mind and heart as they go through different experiences. And yet, what is extraordinary about having a path is that it really becomes less and less chance. We begin to understand, oh, there is something that we can do that is more meaningful in any given moment that we can begin to become more sensitive. What is here? What's operating? And what are my perceptions that are operating? What are my judgments? Am I aware of my judgments? The mind is always producing stuff, always producing. And if we think of the nature of the mind as happening, always happening, always happening, then we can actually understand what it means when we say that practice really does become our life is because we are always practicing something. We are always practicing our personality or we're practicing distractedness We're practicing attachment to our views, attachment to our opinions, or we're practicing kindness and clarity. But what are we practicing? Every moment for all of us, for we about, how many, are we 7 billion people now or 6 billion people on the planet? Somewhere in there, it's a lot. 
and everyone is practicing their states of mind all day long. And this is then the current world, the civilization that we have is really the result of collectively, what are we producing? And what are we producing? So one of the main encouragements that I like to just really kind of focus on is practice isn't hard. It's not that hard to do, but it is hard to remember. It's hard to remember. Coming together in a group like this is so meaningful because here we are supporting just through our general intention, right, to wake up, to not cause harm, to look into our heart and mind and explore what do I need to see and to then see how whatever is here allows us to then be in the world more, more skillfully. So coming together in a group kind of creates that container. When we read Dhamma books, books about the nature of experience, we listen to reflections, and then we talk to spiritual friends. Friends, meaning friends on the path, friends that care, that want to be awake, that want to be clear. All of that reminds us. And yet, I mean, sort of being around in this in a city like this, I didn't see the many signs and maybe they're coming. I feel like we're not that far away, but you don't see that many signs. You're walking down the street that says like, Hey, you, are you aware? You know, do you feel your body? But now there are more and more yoga signs around and, you know, it feels like, Oh, it's starting to seep in everywhere. And maybe your device is pinging you once in a while that says, Hey, wake up, be mindful. But that's our practice. How is it what is it that's going to allow us to remember to notice what's happening? What is it that does that? Right? Are we curious? Are we, are we really curious to be, to be more and more present in our life? And it doesn't need to be a lot. It really doesn't. I think if there is just one more moment during one day from when you wake up, to when you go to sleep, one moment of awareness coming into the day and you really appreciate that moment of awareness, the next day you reflect on it. What, what is it that allows me to have another moment, more moments? Where do I totally lose awareness? Where will it be helpful? So we need to reflect on that in that way because awareness is just a quality. It, it will arise if we have put the conditions there for clarity, for awareness to come in. So it's like a bell that rings, right? When it's cold, there's not much momentum. And then as you tap it, just that resonance, this is, we need one of these in our mind. <laughs> and then boom, this is beautiful. And then it carries on. So exploring what is it that supports awareness to just arise, arise, right? And then see it. What is it? What are the conditions where it gets lost again and again? That's what, that's all our practice is doing in some ways. And of course, this opens up then into the qualities of the heart and mind, qualities of, of compassion and care that are so fundamental to, to being 
really being together, being in community. I don't know if this is official yet, but the I've been reading these uh, somewhat newer to seeing this weekend holiday as being referred to as Indigenous Peoples Day or weekend. And just just reflecting a little bit about that in terms of the perceptions of calling it one thing, right, is Columbus Day and where that focus is, which is, you know, oh, this is the land that we might say white people would feel identified with, oh, our land. And then we think about causes and conditions that have come together for us to be here. How far back are we going to look? We look back just a little bit more recently. What are the conditions that allow us to be here in this room? Well, those are just certain conditions. But then as we look more deeply into deeper causes and conditions, we really kind of sense, oh, right, this land, this land has been here for a long time. And who are the different people that were stewards of it? And then really honoring and reflecting that perception. And so depending on perception, we either see conditions through one lens or we see it through another. And oftentimes, because of our conditioning and maybe we are occupying a certain lens in the world. So I'm primarily straight, cisgendered male, white male, mostly. So that's a lens. And that lens will be conditioning how it is that I operate in the world, how I see. Without awareness, I can just kind of be operating and going about my day and not even realizing what I'm advertising through my body, through my mind, through my speech. And there's so much to learn. There is so much to see about ourselves. And this is one of the things that I find so essential in community, in coming together, that if this is a path of learning, are we curious? Are we really curious to look into our nature? And this is hard to do, right? Because we all want to feel that we're okay, that we're safe, right? That we're appreciated and loved. So we all want to feel that, that's natural. But to really look and to be curious about what do I need to see? That's going to be vulnerable. Very vulnerable to to really explore that because the very nature of our mind and heart is to attach. And the thing that we attach to most, almost always, is what is primary. This mind, this body. Right, this heart, our feelings. How am I being perceived? What do I think of myself? And it's difficult, really difficult to look into these really deeper uh, patterns of our nature. And I'd say one of the really extraordinary things that the teachings offered us is this way of looking into our experience so that we can see the nature. 
see the nature, not through the lens of getting triggered, but actually through a lens of curiosity. That this body and mind is nature, right? We are all conditioned the way we are. We all have our set of feelings, um, our views, our personalities. One of the things that I like to reflect on a little bit is this kind of question or notion of how each of us became the way we are. And I often kind of like to ask people whether or not if there's anyone in the room who feels like they were raised by completely awakened (laughs) parents. Anyone have any totally free? Usually the laughters reveal and that's not, that's not where we're coming from. So this is the nature, right? We are raised by, of course, parents who are raised by their parents and raised by their parents, surrounded by the society and culture that they were in. And this conditioning process, so deep, so powerful, and we're surrounded by it all the time. This is what makes us up moment to moment. Something different happens, of course, when we're in environments where the entire uh, field is encouraging us to begin to listen, that it's okay to start to feel our frustrations, our anger, or boredom, or sleepiness, that this is just our human experience. Is this okay to feel our loneliness? our feelings of not being seen or self-worth. We can open to these things and talk about them. And really coming into some authentic relationship with ourself, nothing to hide. That's what awareness really is a gift. It receives exactly what's happening just as it is. So all of our internal things that we may have been told were insignificant, not worth knowing, all these little stories and patterns in our mind. Awareness is this beautiful quality that receives it perfectly, receives it all perfectly. And then as we become more authentic, inwardly listening, it's natural. Right? We're not trying to just put on a show outwardly, not putting on masks. We're actually willing to show up in some kind of clarity. This is my experience right here. I want to know what yours is. And that's very meaningful, right? Because now we're starting to hear what is really true and we begin to touch into elements that are connecting, deeply connecting, that we all have fears, we all have anxieties, we all have hopes and loves and aspirations for this life and for the world. We're all on a journey from birth, through aging, to death. We're all, in a way, just experiencing this, not in our, not totally in our control, life, set of conditions immersed in the world. And it's sort of wild when we think that 
we're sharing this time and this planet together right now, witnessing this world together. And we get to share in that. We get to hear each other's perspectives and views. As I was doing a little bit of um, sitting and practicing before racing to get here, (laughs) um, I was remembering one of the moments that probably propelled me uh, out of my path that I was on. And some of you that have heard me talk, uh, give talks before may have heard this moment where I was actually not so far from here. I was um, in the Upper West Side in medical school. And there was a moment I was really struggling with um, all the pressures and trying to figure out what I really wanted to do with this life. And it had been boiling and getting to that point of feeling like my whole mind and nervous system was at a, at a boil and I didn't have any kind of practice. So things were just feeling overwhelming. And I walked outside the, I think I was walking out of the, the school, medical school and medical school building and on the sidewalk. And I was standing there and uh, approaching the crossing, the street crossing. And as I was about to cross it, the walk signal started to blink, the don't walk sign. And my mind took it so personally. I remember just feeling inwardly, my mind and the inside was screaming, that's it. That's the last thing that tells me what to do with my life. I couldn't take it anymore. Just something else telling me don't walk because I had been experiencing so much, so much pressure and not even being able to know for myself, what is my path? Just pushing me, pushing. So then getting to this point where even a crosswalk signal could be infuriating, saying, don't you tell me what to do, you signal. (laughs) Right, as if, obviously, as if that signal was waiting for me and was personal. And this is um, the height of delusion, of course, which is taking things really personally and not being able to see what was going on in my mind and heart. So that was about 19, 20, no, it was about 20 years ago, a little bit more, 20 years ago now. And when I think about how much my mind and heart has changed, from practice, from ordinary moments of being aware, of being curious, of bringing in wisdom, of reflecting on compassion, the heart qualities. It's just so extraordinary that this is what we get to do. Our life is really 
precious. It is so valuable. And we live in this assumption, of course, that we have more time. That's why we don't have this feeling. My partner and I were talking about this word, some vega today, spiritual urgency. We don't live with spiritual urgency, that sense of really wanting to make best use of this opportunity of being alive because we often are a little bit sleepwalking. And then something maybe tragic happens, something in the world big happens, it wakes us all up and then suddenly there's this openness, power in the mind. For some of us, and maybe you know, after certain election cycles, that can wake the mind up, depending on who you are, right? There's just different events and, and there's this feeling of, oh, what, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with my time? And it doesn't have to be we walk, you know, kind of moving around urgently. In fact, the reflections that the Buddha gave in terms of reflecting on impermanence and reflecting on death were meant to be very cooling, very stabilizing, but awakening, waking our mind up out of trance, right? Out of being caught up into, you could say, trivialities, which is normal, that's natural. We all do that all the time. But small moments, small reflections, that helps to brighten the mind. And it all makes a difference. Every moment makes a difference. There's no moment that's ins insignificant. Right? And awareness can accompany us through all the ups and downs. It doesn't have to look beautiful. It doesn't have to look nice. Just hanging in there, staying with the different cycles. That's how we learn. We learn from life, not from calm. Calm is wonderful. But what we really learn from is when we're present for what may be difficult, what is challenging, how the heart gets contracted, when we get caught into some self-view again, or we get reactive, and we accompany ourselves through that cycle, and then another cycle, and then another cycle. And then what's said is that in the intensity and the duration begin to lessen. They lessen. They lessen because we're seeing. We're seeing how it burns, right? The, the tendencies to react burn. They burn the heart. And then we see how they impact others as well. We just need enough awareness to see that. Hmm. So thank you for going on this little ride with me. I never know where it's going to go. This is where we've gone. And I'd like to just see if there's any um, comments or... Thank you for listening. 
To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.